0: Well the sun is shining, the birds are singing and stay for real and welcome to another episode of the Property Pulse Podcast. Every episode I aim to bring you helpful hints and tips that you can apply wherever you may be, anywhere in the world you see. This podcast is all about the first principles of real estate. These are the principles you can apply regardless of your jurisdiction, your marketplace, market conditions. So sit back and relax and enjoy the Property Pulse Podcast elections how can they affect the real estate market and that's been the question that's been on the tip of many people's tongues over much of this year in my jurisdiction Uh, here we're about to have a general election or a federal election uh, which is the highest level of government here in Australia, so that is a, a pretty major event. But uh, just a matter of months ago, we had our local, provincial, or state elections, and later on this year in November, we've got our council elections. So we've got all of those elections occurring in the one year, and that's the first time in memory where um, we've had all three levels of uh, government here in Australia having their elections in my jurisdiction at the, uh, at, in the same twelve-month uh, period. So uh, this is quite. Extraordinary, and it's given us an insight into the extent that uh, elections do impact on buyer sentiment. So uh, there's a, there's a few other factors here that I'd like to take into account. You see, the, the greater the discrepancy there is in the economic and property policy of the two major parties that are competing in the election, uh, the the uh, greater the change the greater the uh, um, fluctuation in uh, sentiment or uh, the greater the conservatism of the purchaser is the uncertainty of that um, election may well impact in in a dramatic way in some cases uh, how um, this property looming property purchase is going to um, uh, affect your bottom line. So uh, I'll, I'll cite a couple of examples and then um, let you know why in our, our case right now here in Australia the um, it doesn't seem to make much of a difference at all. So in our last election uh, electoral cycle uh, the uh, Labor leader at the time Bill Shorten took to the electorate a uh, plan um, and many supposed that this plan uh, would lead to a winding back of Um, A a couple of provisions that make it attractive for investors, everyday mums and dads, to invest and own real estate and rent that out to the private market. And this was uh, one of the reasons why the Labor Party lost the election last time. And because it was such a a yawning gap between the two major parties, whenever it comes to property and whenever you're dealing with the middle class, uh, those people are very, very conservative. There's that one thing that they're likely to make money on over and above their job, and that is real estate. And so when there's a policy that may well detrimentally affect their ability to benefit, from their real estate investment, you can be sure that there'd be some degree of electoral backlash, and that was certainly the case. And it also called into doubt um, the Labor Party's uh, economic credentials um, and whether or not they were truly Uh, the um, fiscal conservatives they were purporting to be. Um, And it would certainly seem that almost on any level, the parties of the left do want to see more government intervention uh, in order to uh, create a particular... Advantage for a particular grouping. Um, and in this particular electoral cycle, the talk has all been about affordable housing. Now, the reason why we don't have affordable housing in this country uh, in 2022 is because of government intervention. For a period of 10 years between the late 1980s and the early 1990s, there was almost no capital growth. Uh, the average property price in my jurisdiction of South Australia was about one hundred and and uh, the average property price in Sydney at the time was a smidge over $250,000. We now see that in Sydney the average, the median price is closer to $1.65 million and in South Australia we've now got a median value that's pushing towards that $650,000 level. So you can see to the extent that housing affordability uh, has been Absolutely thrown out of the window, and it is incomprehensible for governments to feel that more of the same policies will yield any better result for, uh, especially for those people entering the property ladder. Now, one of the dilemmas that both major parties have, of course, when setting property policy, is that they are, whenever they do so. Um, they are really fudging at the edges um, this is they have no vested interest in creating affordable housing whatsoever so almost all of their policies are window dressing and the reason for that is because everybody that has a property has a vested interest in that property value going up and almost all uh, policies have had the effect so far of bolstering property value. so first and foremost um, uh, when negative gearing was introduced to uh, attract everyday mums and dads into the property investment market here in Australia in the 1980s. So negative gearing means that if you are making a cash flow loss on your investment property then that loss can be against your taxable income and so perhaps reducing the amounts of uh, tax or bringing you out of the tax bracket and into a lower tax bracket whilst uh, in some form of compensation. And the effect of that was that there was a rush at that point in time of everyday Australians into the real estate market in numbers that we'd not seen before. And what's perhaps somewhat coincidental is that this coincides with the late 1980s and 1990s privatization of the uh, Housing Commission or the state-owned housing um, property rental portfolio, residential property portfolio. And as the governments were selling their real estate, they made a ready-made market through their policy of negative gearing, so encouraging people to buy properties even if they were going to make a cash flow loss. And of course, the lure and the promise of capital growth was enough to get uh, mums and dads into real estate and because of that momentum in the market and because of the aspiration of everyday Australians to then not only own a property of their own but own one for somebody else to live in and maybe two if you're doing really well. Because of that shift in momentum we we found increased demand in the marketplace. Now that increased demand was being driven by investors but it was adversely affecting first home buyers. Fast forward to the late 1990s, had been war, no capital growth at that stage um, for the best part of a decade. We entered into 2000, into a period where most banks still required a 10% deposit. Uh, in my marketplace at the time, the average property would have been worth about $75,000. Um, and you'd get a good, nice house for $75,000 on it. 750, 800 square metres of land, it might be uh, 150 or so square metres of living, Uh, you'd have a big garage, big shed, the Australian dream, for your $75,000, about 20 kilometres out from the CBD. So uh, happy days for for those people. But with uh, that initial flurry of people taking advantage of negative gearing started to dry up. We got to a period in 2000 where a Conservative government here in Australia decided to uh, enact a consumption tax called the GST, it's very similar to the VAT that you find in the UK and various other consumption taxes, so they, they all seem to have an, to, uh, um, sorry, an anagram to uh, uh, describe themselves. So they, the GST is enacted and to offset the cost, the impost or the cost of living. There were several measures that were put in place and one of those measures was an inducement for first home buyers to buy real estate for uh, providing them with a grant of $7,000. Now in my marketplace, that meant that all of a sudden, automatically, without necessarily even saving a cent, buyers had a 10% deposit. And uh, because of the bank's willingness at the time to Fuel a real estate boom, it would appear um, we uh, find ourselves in a situation where banks were lending to people who had little or no genuine savings but certainly had a 10% deposit and just enough to cover the stamp duty. As stamp duty in our marketplace was around 3 to 4% of the property's value, and so uh, it became relatively straightforward for people to be able to buy a property without necessarily even having to do the hard work of savings. of course fueled property boom so within five years average property values had more than doubled Um, there there was a a period there where things appeared to stabilize or incremental growth continued to flow and we found ourselves uh, in the GFC in 2008 with a change of government but very very similar properties in order to underpin property value So we uh, find ourselves in 2009 uh, with the GFC uh, looming to affect uh, Australia's uh, uh, economic prosperity and to uh, uh, shut down the record uh, of consecutive quarters of growth. Australia was one of the first few countries to not have had a recession the 20 years previous. So we find ourselves in uh, 2009 and our then Prime Minister as part of the economic stimulus package, providing first-home buyers with $24,000 first-home buyer grant. Now, again, that's a a little bit more than what 10% of the regular value of property was at the time. And so that, that really, again, meant that everyday young couples who don't have two cents to rub together did have, as a result of this grant, enough money to be able to buy and settle on a home. Of course, this had the effect of fueling property values. Underpinning property values did a lot to stabilise Australia's economy and may go a long way to explaining why Australia did not enter into recession. But did it just fuel uh, another property bubble? Well, um, prices uh, came off the boil by three to 5% shortly after the grant was rescinded and property values seemed to normalise and and settle at that level for some time. Uh, Enter COVID. Along with all of the stimulus measures, uh, there was additional grants that were put in place for young couples to build, $25,000 from Scott Morrison uh, in this case. And what that did was that that turned a lot of young people's attention to real estate. And because of the demand on the building trade and the time that it would take, and then eventually the shortages of suppliers, we found ourselves in a circumstance where buyers were going to the established market in droves at exactly the time when home sellers were too nervous to come to market. We had a record low level of transactional activity in our marketplace in the first quarter of this year. They've only been keeping records from what I understand since the early 2000s. But still, you can imagine how many homes have been built in your part of the world in the last 20 years and certainly here we've seen a a dramatic expansion of our suburbs so during that period of time and so to see record low levels of transactional activity uh, whilst we've got a record high level of dwellings goes a long way to explaining to you that this marketplace that we've experienced during the covid era is not fueled by huge demand as much as pure lack of supply and so in our marketplace we've seen 25-30% 25-30% capital growth over the last two years uh, we've seen another property bubble burst and so with all of about to burst perhaps um, not yet burst uh, so with the market is still very robust as a matter of fact and pricing is still very strong but it is because of lack of supply so both political parties at a, a national level that are competing for the affections of the Australian people have put forth property policies that just create more demand. That will, of course, fuel another real estate boom and not address the concerns of housing affordability as those policies purport to. So what's my solution? My solution would simply to remove government intervention. The less that governments are involved in setting policy around property seemingly the more the market finds its natural level. Another suggestion would be to demand higher deposits of people in certain areas and lower deposits in others. So. The reason for that would be because there is a huge discrepancy between property values in the suburbs of our major cities and in regional areas. And so, uh, making it easier for people to move to regional areas in a time where people can literally work almost anywhere in many types, many areas, and many sectors simply from their laptop would make sense. It would address supply and it would enable more young people to secure their first home. So regardless of the jurisdiction that you live in, you'll see similar dynamics play out where government intervention inevitably leads to less housing affordability. So when voting, if this is a concern for you, then these are the issues uh, that you want to uh, see how, which party uh, has the best answers for. I'm Dave from the Property Pulse podcast. Thanks so much for joining me once again, and I look forward to bringing you more next time. This episode of the Property Pulse Podcast is brought to you by me. Head over to davestockbridge.com.au. Now, if you want to learn the five steps to social media success in real estate, I've got all of my hints and tips there for real estate professionals, regardless of where you may be. Anywhere in the world These are universal laws that you can apply to your marketplace and accelerate your success on social media today. So head over to davestockbridge.com.au and sign up for the course today. Well, thanks again for joining us on the Property Pulse Podcast and I look forward to bringing you more of these helpful hints and tips that I hope will help you make and save tens of thousands of dollars whether you're a buyer or a seller. Maybe you're looking to invest in real estate. Are you after alternative strategies? Maybe you're just a real estate agent looking to get the most out of your career. Well, here on the Property Pulse Podcast, this podcast is made for you and with you in mind by somebody just like you who's just been there and done it before i'm dave stockbridge i'm a real estate agent and auctioneer of over 25 years experience and if you've enjoyed this podcast well, you might enjoy our newsletter as well so head over to davestopbridge.com.au right now go to our uh, newsletter there. Sign up. You'll, You'll see exactly what it is that I'm sending to my clients every week and get some helpful hints and tips that I know you'll be able to apply successfully in your marketplace.